As you take your seat and as our kids head back to Kids Church, I'm going to invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 1. Now, this morning is going to be just a little bit different than than what we normally do. So so most of the time, uh, in fact, 90% of of the time that that we're gathered together, maybe more than that, uh, what's going to happen is I'm going to have you turn to a passage of Scripture, and we're going to kind of walk through that Scripture. We're not going to leave it. Uh, we're going we're gonna to hang out there for, for a while. This morning's a little bit different. So we're going to read in just a second a couple of verses in Philippians chapter 1. And I'm going to talk just a little bit to kind of set up where we're going. And then we're not going to come back to it because just kind of, of where we're going this morning. So, so my plan this morning is to lay out where we're headed as a church over the next, uh, really over the next three years. Uh, so by the time we get to the end of, or the beginning of, 2020, as, as we as we look into the to the 20s, where do we want to be going as as a church, as First Baptist Church? Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about our history, and then uh, that's why it's called looking back and moving forward. We're going to spend a whole lot more time talking about moving forward than we are looking back. It's important to look back at our history because um, because that teach, that shows us where we are. Right? So anytime you're starting a journey, anytime you're going on a journey, anytime you get in the car to go somewhere, you better know where you're starting from, right? If you don't know where you're starting from, you're not going to get to where you're going. Uh, so, so real quick, let me, let me lay out kind of some history of, of our church. This, this church was founded in 1898. Uh, the state of New Mexico was not annexed as part of the uh, United States until 1912. So our church is older than the state of New Mexico, which, which I just think is pretty cool. Um, and so uh, next year, we will be celebrating our 120th anniversary, um, and which, which is going gonna, is gonna to be a lot of fun. Um, we, I'm going I'm to visit with our church council. We'll be setting kind of a Sunday sometime next year to, 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 to celebrate what God has done over the last 120 years and, and, and to talk about what the next 120 are going to look like. And I know you're probably not going to be here the time we, we hit 240, okay? But, um, but we, we want to set some things up so that uh, this church can continue to be a gospel presence as long as Alamogordo exists. Um, so, uh, if, if you've come in in the last four or five years, um, you probably look around and wonder, man, what on earth has happened? We, we have a sanctuary that seats 500 people. What, what on earth is, is going on in here? Um, the, the last 10 years have, have not been real kind uh, in the life of this church. And I'm not going to go into a whole lot of details other than to say um, that this, this church went through a few church splits over the course of, really over the course of about, about 10 years throughout the 2000s, that there were several church splits. Um, the last one happening about 2011 that, that, that just dwindled this church down to about 60 people. Um, and... Uh, I came in, in the March of 2016, and since then, I'm, I'm not patting myself on the back at all. We're, we're seeing God move in some, in some great ways. We are positioned to see God um, move in some great ways in spite of me. Okay, so, so hear me say that. It's not, I'm, not, it's, I'm not saying it's because of me. We're seeing God do some great things in, in such a way that only he can, and that's the only way I want it to happen. I don't, want, I don't want this church to be founded and, and to grow based on me. 
Um, I want it to grow because God is, is doing something, and we're seeing God do something. We are poised as, as Holloman Air Force Base continues to grow, and as we continue to see folks come in, we are poised to, to see God do some amazing things here uh, in the next few months, in the next three, four years. And I just, I, I'm just crazy enough to think that, that these two things have intersected. You know, this, this church went without a full-time pastor for about five years, uh, until I came last year, and, and Bart and uh, and Gary Buckner and Chuck all, all filled in admirably during that time and, and led this church well during that time. Um, but but I, I'm just crazy enough to, to believe that in the providence of God, he brought us here knowing what was about to happen with Holloman and knowing what was about to happen with uh, y'all. I show up and you get a Hobby Lobby, so you're welcome. Okay, I just... <laughs> just Oh, that just got recorded, didn't it? Oh, there's going to be evidence of that one. So, no, but but I'm just crazy enough to believe that God is that God is at work in some things here, and we are we are poised to see Him do even greater things than this. And so, all that sets up where we're going. Okay, so if you will turn to Philippians chapter one, verses twelve through fourteen, and there, in in the Christian Standard Bible, it's going to be on the screen. And so, I'm going to invite us to stand and let's read these three verses. Together, Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. Let's stand together and read the word of the Lord together. Paul writes, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even to, sp- to speak the word fearlessly. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the chance to gather together and to look at what you've done in the history and in the life of First Baptist Church and what you are going to continue to do. Uh, and so we pray that you will speak in these next few moments. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. Uh, Now, as I said, I I don't want to take too much license with this text because this was written to a church in a city called Philippi by Paul, who's sitting in prison. And apparently there were some folks in in Philippian in this church in Philippi, this Philippian church, who were kind of getting discouraged because Paul is sitting there in prison. And yet he's writing to encourage them. Philippians, there's a, there's a thread of the, uh, of the theme of the joy of the Lord that runs through that entire book. And, and I'm amazed every time I read it because I'm reminded that Paul is sitting in prison, most likely chained to a guard. And he says here, he writes to the Philippian church and he says, listen, I don't want you to be discouraged. I don't want you to lose heart because I want you to know that what has happened to us or to me has actually served to advance the gospel. The gospel has gone out. The gospel has grown because of the things that I've experienced. And in fact, he says it's gone out to the whole imperial guard. And one of the things I love about Paul is that he's going to be, he's going to be chained to a, to a guard. And in Philippians, he'll later say, listen, to live, to, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And so they come at him and they're like, you know, Paul, we, we think we're going to kill you because, of, because you, won't, you won't shut up about Jesus. And, and he goes, cool, kill me. I win. Okay, fine. No, we're not going to kill you. We're going to chain you to a guard. Cool. I'll, I'll, I'll preach Jesus to him all day long. 
What's he, I mean, what's he going to do? He's here from 8 to 5. He's going to hear about Jesus from 8 to 5, right? And, and he says, what, the gospel is now known throughout the whole imperial guard. And you can just imagine, like, right, they show up to work that morning and see who's chained. Oh, I'm chained to Paul today. Oh. Like, I don't, like, what do you do with that guy? And if, if that's his mindset, we're going to kill you. Okay. Now we're, we're going to throw you in a dungeon. All right. To live as Christ, to die as gain. And then he says here, look, look at verse 14. It says, Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word. So as I was reading through this and trying to figure out exactly where I was going to go this week and, and what, what this morning was going to look like, when I came across this passage, I thought, man, what, what a prayer for us as First Baptist Church. You know, like I said, the, the last 10, 15 years have not been easy in the life of this church. But could we, with Paul, reach a point where we say what has happened here has actually served to advance the gospel? Because let me tell you, some of the stuff that, that we are up against and have been up against and, and, and are going to... Uh, as long as until the Lord reveals clearly what his plans are that we're going to continue to be up against, there's no way this church would still be here except for the hand of God sustaining us. And listen, I believe we can start to say it now, but I believe there's going to come a day where we look back and we say what has happened here has actually served to advance the gospel. And that when other believers and other churches look at the example of First Baptist Church of Alamogordo, they would, be, they would be strengthened in their faith and would have courage to serve him because of his mighty display of glory here. Why? But because we're awesome? No. Maybe, was that, that was maybe more harsh than I, than I expected. But, uh, but because we have it all together? No. But because he is good. And because God loves showing his glory through broken things. Through broken people and broken churches. Because when he does, it shows that it's not because we are great. Rather, as Paul would write, he says we have this treasure in clay jars. So that the all-surpassing power of Christ Jesus, so, so it might not, nobody would look at us and go, man, you're awesome, you got it all together. No, they would look at us and say, man, isn't God good? So, what does that look like? As we tell folks, listen, we want you to come see what God is doing in and through First Baptist Church of Allen McGord. We want you to come be a part of that. What does that look like? Very simple. We, we have one focus. That focus is to make disciples who make disciples. That's it. That, that's, that is the reason. That's the reason you are still here as a follower of Christ. It's the reason he does not snatch you up to heaven the moment you become a follower of Christ. Because his, Jesus' final words to his disciples are found here in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now what's interesting about this, this text is he, he gives a lot of things that, that, that we're to be doing, right? And so you might say, well, well what is, what's the primary, what's the driving force here in this text? Well, maybe, maybe you'd look at it and say, well, it's baptizing, right? I mean, after all, we, we are Baptists. Baptism is a big deal to us. We 
named ourselves after it, right? It's, it's that important. Or, or maybe, it's, maybe it's teaching. Both of those things are important. But the thing that drives everything else in the original Greek, the, the thing on which everything else hinges are the two words, make disciples. Make disciples of all nations. Well, how do we do that? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So that is our one focus as a congregation. So then the follow-up question is, okay, then if that's our one focus, how do we do that? And we've said, we've said three things, which are three things, but, but really it's four. Does that make sense? You confused? Okay. So, so we've said that, that the, the way we want to do this is we want to be a church that loves, that serves, and that gives. Love, serve, give. So every time you see our, our, our little shield there, the, the cross and the shield, that, that those words will be underneath it. Love, serve, give. And the way that fleshes out is, is this way. Um, there are two parts of what it means to love. We want to love God completely, first of all. And the great command, remember one of the uh, lawyers came up to Jesus and asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus responds this way. Matthew 22, 37, 38 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. Love God. Now listen, there, there are a lot of ways that we do that as a congregation, as, as the body gathered in the First Baptist Church, the, the place that we gather together to express our love and our admiration and our worship for God is right here. That's, that's, that's what this is for. That's where we gather together as the body of Christ to express our love to God and to experience the love of God as a congregation. But there's another part of what it means to love, and that is that we want to love others compassionately. And Jesus goes on in verses 39 and 40. He says, the second is like, is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Love God, love people. And he just summed up the entire Old Testament, all 39 books of the Old Testament. You want to know what it means? It means love God, love other people. So that's what we mean when we say love. In fact, if you look at the uh, banner that's in the, that's in the uh, fellowship hall, for Thursday night, where we put up the well, it says love squared to, to convey that, that idea. Um, there's a guy by the name of Kenneth Bow who wrote a fantastic book called Conform to His Image back in, I think it was 2001. And he said there's no act of loving God that does not end with the love of neighbor. That's why we say those two things are connected. When we say love, we mean you want to love God and we want to love other people because God's love is not made complete in us until it extends out to one another. And we'll look more at that in, uh, in 1 John, beginning in a couple of weeks. The second thing that, we, that we've said is that we want to serve. And, and to flesh that out a bit more, we want to serve selflessly. So Paul, in Galatians 5.13, has, has commanded us, serve one another through love. And then Jesus, in Matthew 20, said this. He said, uh, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
So, so listen, I, I said the, the primary way that we gather together as the body of Christ to, to express our love for God is, is in here. The primary way we gather together to express our love for one another happens in small groups where we get to know each other better. We get to know each other more personally. And then I'm going to call you to find some way to serve. Find some way to serve here. Now, immediately you're probably thinking, well, I don't sing and, 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 and I, I don't like to work with kids. So, so how do I serve in a church? Uh, listen, we need, we need folks to greet people as they come in the doors. We need, we need folks to, uh, we need some runners to, to be able to show parents where our nursery is. If you've been here more than five minutes, you know our building is kind of like a maze. I worked here for a month before I finally figured my way around. I was in here every single day. I went looking, now, now it seems silly because I know exactly where it is. If you know what I'm talking about when I say the Batcave, I, I went looking for a day, and I swear, I, I roamed through the building for 20 minutes trying to find the Batcave. And you go, well, you turn a corner and it's right there. Yes, I know that now. But I, 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 don't, I don't know, I, I, I can't tell you where I went because I didn't know. I was just walking through knowing eventually I'd come around a corner and there it'd be. Visited with Ray Tony. Ray Tony, I want to pick on you for a minute because we talked about this last week. Um, Ray Tony was wanting to get kind of get involved, and I said, "All right, man, make coffee." He said, "He said, really? Is is that helpful?" I said, "Absolutely." I said, "I walk into church. I want coffee right then." <laughs> show me, show me where. If I know, if I know where the coffee is and I know where the bathrooms are, I'm set. Okay, that, that's so. Listen, it's it's important. Um, as we grow, you, you notice that we are not. Um, we are not abounding in parking lot space. Now, now I'm, I'm working on, and I think we're going to be able to park across the street here in the uh, Alamogordo Tidal parking lot to, to expand out and give us a little bit of room. Maybe some of you already parked there. Cool, good for you, good job. I just I want to make sure it's officially okay for us to do that. Um, we, could, we could have some folks kind of, when you park, then directing folks, okay, you have kids, cool, you can come in this door over here on the north end to, to help folks find out where they're going. There is a place for you to serve. And then the last thing is, is this. We want to be a church that gives. And we want to be a church that gives sacrificially. Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7, he says this. The point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. Um, now, in January, when we first laid out the love, serve, give ideas, we said there are three ways that, that we want to be givers. We, we want to be givers of time. That kind of goes back to what we talked about in, in serving. It, it takes time to serve. We, we want to give of our talents. That kind of goes back to serving as well, right? I mean, you, it, God, God has placed gifts and abilities in you in a way and in a combination that no one else has. And if we look at what Paul has said in 1 Corinthians 12, where he compares the, body, or the church to a body, he says, you're the body of Christ. And then he says, would, would, would a part of your body, would, would a foot say, well, because I'm not a hand, I, I don't have any place in the body. Listen, we need folks who can play instruments. We need folks who can sing. Maybe that's not your gift. And that's fine. God, God has given you 
talents and abilities in order that you might serve his church and minister to a lost and dying world. If you'd like to know a little bit more, I have a, I have a real simple one-page um, spiritual gifts inventory that will help you identify some, some areas where, you, uh, where God's already working in you and, and to see how you can plug in and, and what that would look like serving in a local church. And then, yeah, the, the last thing is we give of our treasure. Um, as, I've, as I've said before, it, it costs money to do ministry. That's why we do things like love offerings. That's why we take an offering every week. We send, beginning with this year's budget in January, we're sending 15 cents of every dollar we get in the offering plate out to missions of some kind, whether that's to our local association or on to, uh, to the Southern Baptist program called the Cooperative Program. So some of that stays here in state and helps fund some things like church plants and church revitalization. Like we, re- we received some money from our state convention and as part of a revitalization program. And a lot of it goes on to, uh, to, to folks at the International Mission Board, the North American Mission Board. It's why uh, we do special offerings like you're going to hear about in September with our Mission New Mexico offering to fund missionaries and church planners right here in the state. It goes, that money goes straight to them. To fund work among Muslims like one man in Albuquerque is doing whose, whose identity has had to be hidden because that's such a sensitive ministry to Muslims to fund Native American uh, church work, to fund Hispanic church work. Under the North, so at Christmas time, we'll do uh, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, which goes directly to Southern Baptist missionaries working overseas. That's why we do things like the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, which goes to fund church planters and missionaries here in North America. We want to be a church that gives generously. As I said, we, we give 15% of everything that comes in right now. I would love over the next five years to see us bump that up to 20%. Can you imagine sending 20 cents of every dollar out? I, listen, I, and, and look, we're, we're, we're staying afloat financially. We are not rolling in the dough by any, chance, by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm just crazy enough to believe that if we want to see God continue blessing, we don't hoard what he's given us. We funnel it. Listen, we can't do that unless God's people give. Maybe you're looking at your bank account and saying, oh boy, I, I, I don't even know. I got, I got bills. And, and listen, I understand. I got, I got bills too. But I also know that, that just as Paul said, when we if we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. If we sow generously, we reap generously. In fact, the book of Malachi is the only place I can think of where God says, test me. And, and he says that in the context of calling on the people to tithe, bring the full tenth into the storehouse, he says. He says, test me in this and see if I will not pour out my blessing. And, and so, so here's my challenge to you. I, I dare you to take God up on that offer. I'm not going to promise you put $10 in the plate, you're going to get $100 back this week. That's garbage. I'm not, I'm not going to promise that. But, but here's, what I, here's what I've learned and seen in my own life. 
when, when I trust what God has said and when I do what He said to do, if, when I put my 10% in, the 90% goes farther. Every time. But I can also tell you from personal experience, when I hold back and I'm like, oh, you know, I got bills and, and I'll give what, what's left at the end. You, you know what? It's not left. It's not the way God's economy works. When we trust Him, when we step out in faith, He comes through for us. So I want to be a church that loves God completely, that loves others compassionately, that serves selflessly, and that gives sacrificially. And, and here's the end, and then we're going to trans, uh, transition into our, Lord's, our observance of the Lord's Supper. This is the vision. Over the next three years... So when we come into the fall of 2020, we will focus, over the next three years, we will focus on becoming a church that values, get this, authentic enthusiasm in making disciples. Now it's kind of interesting to have a vision. I mean, I didn't throw a bunch of numbers out there, right? I didn't give you budget goals. I didn't give us attendance goals. Why? Because we're going to focus on the thing that Jesus told us to focus on. We're going to focus on making disciples. And as we do that, I believe we will see God do a mighty work in and through First Baptist Church of Alamogordo that we, that we couldn't even believe. And it would far exceed any number that we would put out there. I would love for you to join us in this vision. As we transition into the Lord's Supper, um, Paul in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 calls us to examine ourselves, is the way he puts it. Before we take the bread and the juice, he calls us to examine ourselves, to take a look inside, to, to spend some time in confession of sin. Spend some time in personal prayer and personal worship. And so I'm going to ask Siona to come and, and play. And while she's coming, let me say this. The, the only requirement that we have for you to be able to celebrate the Lord's Supper with us, uh, we just ask that you are a follower of Christ. You don't have to be a member of First Baptist Church. You don't have to be a Baptist. We just ask that you, you would say, yes, at some point in my life, I crossed the line of faith and, and have trusted in Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's, that's it. That's all we ask. So I'm going to ask her to pray. We're going to take just a couple of minutes, and I want you to reflect, and then we will uh, we'll take the Lord's Supper.
Father, as we move into this time of remembering Christ's sacrifice on our behalf, I pray you would search our hearts and bring to mind any, any sin in our, in our lives that we haven't dealt with yet. And for those of us in Christ, as soon as you bring it to our mind, will you remind us that it's already paid for? That we don't have to live life in fear. That we can live live life free. Not, Not free to sin, not free to live any way we want, but free from the power and the bondage of sin in our lives. Fill this room with your presence as we remember the sacrifice of Christ and as we celebrate the salvation that he paid for on our behalf. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.